Breaking the Silence, a candid interview with Karen Kamba, author of The Snipers We Couldn't See. Welcome to an inspiring conversation with Karen Kamba, author of the powerful memoir, The Snipers We Couldn't See. As a passionate advocate for mental health awareness and an internationally acclaimed speaker, Karen is using her platform to shed light on the far-reaching generational effects of severe mental illness. In her book, she gives voice to the quiet kid in school who couldn't cry out for help, painting an intimate portrait of how a loved one's mental illness can define and dictate childhood. She opens up about her journey, marked by pain, but ultimately victorious, providing hope and understanding for others who may be experiencing similar struggles. Join us as we delve into this poignant narrative, explore Karen's inspirations, and discuss her mission to bring mental health issues to the forefront of societal discourse. Don't miss this opportunity to hear from one of the leading voices in mental health advocacy. Subscribe and turn on the notifications so you never miss an episode. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Let me share a little bit with you today about our incredible guest. Karen Kama has dedicated her life to mental health advocacy she has managed nursing homes and medical offices and has worked directly with those affected with mental illness for years. She was born in rural Nebraska and now lives in Castle Rock, Colorado with her husband, Kurt. She believes in staying in your happy pond and shows up every day to do just that. Please help me welcome Karen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, April. And I'm so honored to be on the Wellness Driven Life show. It's just an incredible honor that you're having me as a guest and I can share some knowledge and maybe some information with your audience. Thank you again, April. 
Well, it's definitely our pleasure to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show, Karen. You have a very incredible story that you've written into Word, and you're spreading the news to many, many people across the world, and it is definitely making some impact. So very excited to have you share that with us today. Let's start by sharing with the audience a little bit more about you. Oh, well, to Let's just get this out there. Grandma's 65 years old and I love it. <laughs> and I'm getting my second wind. Um, I live in Cass Rock and we have grandchildren and um, our children are in Nebraska and in Colorado. And I just knew April that I had to do something. Uh, I grew up, I was, I'm fortunate to be here. I'm very, very fortunate to be here because I know a lot of children that grew up like myself, did not make it. They went into addiction and foster homes and homeless mm. and probably had a lot of different things happen to them. So I felt like I was chosen. And mm. my life was, I just thought after my mother left us at when I was 29 of suicide, I thought, this is it. We can't be the only family out there. And then being the child growing up with it and not having anybody talk to me about it or say anything or explain to me what was going on with our mother, things happened to me. My self-esteem went away. And unfortunately, I was the victim of my mother's raft of her illness. And so I became a very silent child, a scared child, didn't feel loved. Um, so in turn, the child doesn't thrive. And the reason I've started this journey, April, and again, thank you for having me, is if the children don't get help, they'll go their whole life as I did. I struggled my whole life and it's in my story that it never went away. My pain, my self-esteem, my struggling through life and always not feeling like I was good enough followed me all the way till now. And yeah. that's why I decided, by gosh, there's a solution and every and everything there is in life, there's solutions. And that's what I bring into the world right now. So Karen, I would love to know what are some of the solutions that you've been creating? You know, you talk about really being able to reach the children who are experiencing this, getting to them before they have reached their teens or their adulthood, um, where it's much more challenging. As we know, it's much more challenging to navigate and you know, take hold of the experiences we had in childhood and to be able to manage that effectively to become effective adults. Right. I'm still working on it. It's a yeah. continuous thing, right? right. Um, but when we talk about reaching the children first, how are you doing that? Especially, you know, if they're, they're in the situation, they're with their parents that, you know, have the mental illness, how do you reach them? Well, this is new, so it's very good that we're talking about it. Um, I formed a group now where it has doctors and professors and actually a president of NAMI, which is, stands for the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Uh, every state has a NAMI, so you need to Google that if you need any help with mental illness or it's in your home or you need any help, you go ahead and Google that, and there's a lot of information there for to yeah. help. What we're doing Tell me again, Karen, I'll write it in the description. Yes, it's NAMI. It's N-A-M-I and it's national and, it, and it's in every state and every state has uh, has a NAMI, um, you know, 
program and there's numbers and there's information and that everybody can go there for help. What I've started, it's going to take a little bit, uh, April, if you will, we we're putting together a program uh, for children, for the youth and for the parents and the educators, because you can't just, you can't help, you know, the child has to go through someone to get that help. So it's good. It's a bit of a journey, but if people keep following me, we're in the middle of it right now. And we're trying to develop programs now for the children and the parents, because Karen's parents go, what if my child has it? it so this is kind of touching mm. on everything. It's the social media. It's the bullying. It's the vaping. It's mm. if I have mental illness at home. If I have it or if I'm feeling something and if my if I know someone, if I have a friend. So we're going to touch base on every, you know, if we can help these children. What's new now that I'm 65, I tell everybody if I would have been 11 and 12 and someone reached me. The difference is we didn't have social media then. Now we have social media. That is really a big, a huge part of our children's lives. And so we can go through that social media to get because every child has a phone. Yeah. And as far as I can go with it, because we're in development process right now. But what I do do is I go speak to high schools and I spoke to 10,000 children in Africa in 10, in 10 days, but colleges and high school and grade schools. I have to be very careful when it's grade school, take very good care of them that way. But I bring mm. up health and I explain what it is. And you cannot believe the hundreds of emails I get thanking me because they they just want someone to explain to them what's going on with their friend, their parent, their guardian. Yeah. You know, they start reaching out. They're reaching out about social media. They're, you know, we have to address everything and including the, if we can reach them children early, I can't imagine how many school shootings maybe possibly we'll be able to stop. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, Karen, you are definitely a part of this, I, I would say it's a it's a large movement. I, I talk to a lot of people about how mental health is really coming to the forefront uh, more and more and more. And that's a great thing. People are talking. People are talking more about their feelings. This is what I'm feeling and not being afraid to because we we're all on this human journey and we all experience feelings indefinitely. So um, I appreciate the efforts. You're just a part of that big wave that is starting to happen. Yes. And you know, the big thing, April, is, um, if you will, the the situation, you know, it's just, you, people bring it up and they talk about it, but they're not giving anybody solutions. Mm. And I really do believe um, if you really look at our high schools and our children, there's a lot of pain there yet. There, there's just, there's, they're struggling. There's so many suicides nobody's talking about. You know, it's getting to the point now where the high yeah. schools aren't even, it's not even making the news anymore. And, and the children are, you know, that they're not testing out good and it's, they're just not, you know, I just, I just really, you can tell I get on that bench and I know that I can't do it alone. That's why I'm creating a village and, and it is a village and I'm just one of millions that are stepping up to the plate. But we did know when we do talk about it, teachers are leaving the, 
the teaching field because they don't feel like they can teach and be open about teaching to these children because they're scared they're going to get, you know, they're going to say the wrong thing or they're going to do the wrong thing. And we're, yeah. we're, we're going to try to take that owie away and simplify yeah. it and get back to the simple gut way of uh, making your life better so that you understand and and let the children know they're not alone and the parents aren't alone and the teachers aren't alone nobody's alone in this world yeah there's a an immense amount of guilt if something were to happen when you're in those positions of you know teachers and i came from the law enforcement background so you always risk that if you say the wrong thing do the wrong thing you know these are potential consequences of that and yet to be able to understand that that is you know somebody else's choice and it's not about you and we are only doing the best we can and leading by example Mm -hmm. it it is a challenging position to be in that route so you're right it's not only about you know hitting just the kids or the parents specifically it's really this well-rounded broad audience of everyone needs to learn maybe some techniques. So Karen, one of my questions would be, uh, as you were a child, you talked about, Mm -hmm. it would have been very helpful for you to have somebody explain to you what was going on with your mother. You know, why is this happening? Is, Is there a logical reason for this? Is there a scientific, is there something happening uh, that I just don't understand that I could use explanation. Outside of that, Karen, what are some of the things that would have been very helpful for you um, at a, as a young girl? Well, you know, it's very painful for probably a lot of people listening that were in a family such as mine before me, after me, and will come after me uh, if we don't do anything. Um, you know, being beat at home, um, I watched my mother change in front of me at the age of four. Um, no more love there and no more hugs. And then mm-hmm. you're, then you're ridiculed every day. So you have to realize this child's going home when that, when the reason I suffered in school, these are signs you can look for, for a child. My gosh, if they're C and D students, you might want to take a good look at them. If they're D and F students, you need to take a look at that. Yeah. Because the reason I struggled in school was because there was no homework at home. When I watched, I couldn't hear what the teacher was saying. I was, I was engulfed in my own mind watching the clock because I knew when that, when that bell rang, that was one minute closer that I had before I had to go home. And I was fearful at home. And I, did, I never knew what mood my mother was going to be in. And I never knew what the door was going to open for me. So my whole life, Every day as a child, can you imagine 365 days a year, all through your life, you're just, you're just staying outside, you're doing, and you're, and you're so scared because you don't understand what's going on. So you don't say anything to anybody. And that's why I talk about the quiet child. They're the Mm -hmm. child sitting in that classroom doing nothing. They're not sick, but they're quiet. Yeah. Yes. There's very signs. They're very quiet. They're not socializing. Um, if they are socializing, they might even be the clown, class clown. They might yeah. be the D and F student. But what I want, we're going to try to expose, make it simpler is give that child a place to go, give that child a place to ask questions, give that teacher going, you know, 
thank you for helping because they're busy enough. Teachers have enough on their plate. They're trying to teach your child. Uh, they're not, they didn't sign up to be a psychologist They're you know, that's not their expertise. And I can see why it's painful for them because they're, they have such love for children. My mother was a teacher and they love them children. And they just, you know, they, they only got so much time on their hands. So we'll see if we can't do anything, but there is signs of that child. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out. There's a lot of grandparents now raising children that yes. because their children are mentally ill or got on it, something went sideways. So they're on addiction or something's happened. So now that grandparents are becoming the parents yeah. and they're reaching out going, do I give the child back? Do I just let the parent visit? There's a, there's a, it's a huge thing. What, what's so beautiful is we are putting it out there and it, there is starting to be help. And um, I think the world would be such a beautiful place. You know, people talk about climate change and I always say this to them, you know, we better get after these kids first because there won't be any world worry about climate change. If we don't save these children that are going to be living in it. And who knows, maybe the child that we save has got the answer to a lot of questions or they've got, you know, what if they want to be the next best waitress or banker? I don't care. I never say president of the United States because I think that that's lame. Who can all want to be the president? They don't all want to be president of the United States. So I always say, what if they just want to be the best plumber? But because they're not getting any help, April, they're not thriving. I did not thrive when I got out of school. I didn't even know who I was. So you don't even know who to be, who to become. Well, Karen, it sounds to me like at age four, that's the time period that you realize something's not right here. Yes. You said your mother switched. Now, when was the time when you started realizing that you could start taking back control and there was things that you could do to apply to, to really start becoming you? Well, unfortunately, I went through high school and everything. I just basically was a survivor, April. So uh, nobody talked about it. So you just turn to sex and alcohol and things like that, that um, because you want and love so much that you'll almost do anything to get that hug. Yeah. That's another thing that has to be aware. Where, yeah. when did I become, I think when my mother left us, unfortunately, um, and I was 29, I think at that time when I, I was just starting to accept her and I was starting to let her talk. They don't talk normal all the time. She was in and out of institutions. Every schizophrenia and mental illness is different. Mm -hmm. I do have every brain is different. So she, and every level of schizophrenia is different. So as she was aging, things were changing. You know, she wasn't staying the same, if you will, the same, uh, level of it and then i was turning into adults so and i was having children so then uh just when we were starting to make peace with each other and i realized that she was never going to be totally well she left so that's mm -hmm. when i decided that i don't know it ju i just really felt for 30 years or over 20 years i told everybody i'm writing this book and because i know if i didn't do a platform nobody would know i knew what i was talking about yeah so I knew I had to do it raw and real. Now there is some chapters I've left out because I didn't want the abuser to get any kind of gratification out of it. But 
I do feel that that's when I decided that I had to do something and children became, because of me, I thought I've got to do something in this world. It took me 12 years to write that book. I kept shelving it because I, I had to keep reliving it. And then yeah, it's hard. what well, is, and I had a beautiful editor and she would have to get after me and she'd say, you have to quit protecting your children and your husband. And you need to start telling mm -hmm. the world how it really is. And she'd make me get real. She never wrote it for me. She, everything in that book's me, but she would make me dig deep. And so that's when I knew that. Um, and now I've had over 15,000 emails of people's stories all over the world. And uh, it, it, it doesn't change. April. It, you know, people may have a different language or a different setting at home, but it's all the same. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I do like that you put into the perspective of, you know, the life of a schizophrenic, you know, it's not always the same. Um, as you said, age four, there was a switch and then it's kind of this up and down. And, you know, I can only imagine Karen, what you went through as a mother, when you became a mother yourself, wanting to maybe protect your children, not have so much involvement. I mean, that would be, uh, uh, huge. And then maybe even the fear of, are my children going to, is this going to carry on through the generations or even the fear of yourself? Am I going to develop this? And, you know, we, we come into that, but I think that as long as that we know that there are things that we can do to, to do within ourselves and, to take care of ourselves to the best that we can and continue to learn in that and grow in that, um, things will be okay and they will be what they will be. Uh, so I want to go into our first commercial and when we get back, let's continue this conversation. Absolutely. Stay tuned. Are you a practitioner or a coach listening to this? If so, I would love to ask you, do you use hypnotherapy in your practice working with clients? And if not, would you like to? The power of hypnotherapy is limitless. And so often we experience our clients struggling to reach their goals. It's because they're coming up against their own brick walls and getting stuck. But you can help them through the power of hypnosis break through all of that working with their unconscious mind to put the suggestions in to have them taking the action to achieve the results that they want they are thrilled with your coaching techniques they're getting the results they want you feel amazing because you are helping your client get the results they want it's a win-win and another win is that it's an added revenue stream for you in your business so if you like the feel of helping your clients get the results they want if you like the sound of that then definitely reach out melissa at yourguidedhealthjourney.com or click the link tree link below for my unlimited power of hypnosis class to learn more it's a weekend designation program that i teach valid in 42 countries you write an exam after taking the experiential course and you can be admitted to the american board of hypnotherapy and start using hypnotherapy one-to-one -one with your clients and have them achieving the results they want. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system, 
and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. So welcome back, Karen. We are on this journey of childhood memories, all of the things where it really uh, flicks us in so many ways. And as we finally start to come out of that and realize that these are the things that happen to us. We don't want it to happen to anybody else. So it brings us to this point where we are really able to serve others in a beautiful way because of those experiences. So that's definitely what you are doing right now. And I, I want to dive a little bit further into when you come into your adulthood, the things that you started to do and see in order to really start self-care, start self-loving. When were those times? What was it like for you? Well, uh, thank you, April. Uh, again, thank you for having me. Uh, it's one thing I will address with everyone out there. You never, the child never quits loving that mother or that father. They just won't. And so when I had my children and it's in my story and I'll let some of the story out for everyone, but the reason I had children is because I wanted someone to love that I could call my own. And um, I had them early because I just wanted something for, that I could call my own. Mm. Uh, so then I love my mother, but I didn't keep my children from my mother. Uh, we're in a small town and it's a farm community. And I had to help my father. I actually uh, stayed around and ended up helping my father with my mother because I just felt like I needed to stay there and help and be with her. And then my empathy started for her. And of course, she left me early. So that left me, people say, well, after your mother passed away, did, did everything go away and you started healing? Absolutely not. In fact, what had happened to me through my whole childhood did not leave because mom left. So I was left to um, go through my life. So I will actually tell you at 65, I can tell you I was in my 50s before I realized that I could start loving myself. Mm. And so that's the impact I have with people is I don't want you waiting till you're 65 to tell me that you've made it. I, I'm glad everybody made it, but I am saying there's people that get it. And onto addiction and everything because they didn't make it. They weren't lucky like me that to be sitting here, they're not doing as well. And it was because of mental illness. A lot of times when you talk to people that are foster or homeless or really struggling with addiction, sometimes you find out there was mental illness in their home and they just mm -hmm. never got over it. So that's my passion is to get to these children early so that they get educated and they thrive and they don't have yeah. to be me. Yeah. It sounds like you were definitely in that 
that stress, the, the fight or flight, you know, yes. mode yes. for the majority of your life. Yes. And when we, when that becomes so habitual in early childhood, it, it is very difficult to break free of that. And so I definitely understand the passion to wanting to put a halt in that as much as possible with people who are going through that experience at younger ages. And it also sounds to me like maybe you utilized your children as a, a form of survival too, you know, a coping mechanism rather than turn to, to drugs or a more challenging life. I think that sometimes we can utilize our children as such a blessing because of that. It gives us something else to concentrate on other than the internal chaos that we're experiencing. Right. right. My children saved my life. They absolutely saved my life. And my husband of, of today, my dear Kurt, he, that, but my children saved my life. They kept me, what they kept me doing was every time I fell down into another abuse of whatever kind, mm. uh, I would fight back. And everybody goes, you must have had that genetic inside of you. Uh, the genetic probably is there, the will to survive. But I will tell you, I kept telling myself I had to get back to my children because I was struggling my whole, um, it was hard on them. Uh, you know, we've had our peace. I love them very dearly. They're grown adults now, but I've, you know, they, they had to watch. And a lot of times it was very painful. So you have gone into some, some more, more of like a public figure. Yes. And so how has that journey been for you? Can you explain yes. a little bit about what made you go into that realm? I, I know that even public speaking is one of the most difficult, challenging, fearful things that human beings can experience. And so coming from the background that you come from, how did you fall into that? Well, I think it was a blessing that I didn't study it. I think I would have scared myself to death because I would have done it. <laughs> but um, I did the book and then all of a sudden I had the gracious, beautiful opportunity of Wally Lamb endorsing it right away, famous Wally Lamb. And then uh, I had incredible publicists grab a hold of me and then my agent, David Fagan, and he's just between him and people getting to know me that way. And then all of a sudden the topic and they go, would you consider helping? And, and then I just said, well, this is my mission. So what do you need? Well, can you come to Africa and help us do the keynote tour, uh, keynote tour and talk to children and do your thing on mental health and uh, mental, mental awareness? And I said, sure. So that's where I got my feet wet at. I went to Africa and um, there's, they were so receptive. And then when you find out that they're suffering just like all everybody else, you know, because one out of every six families has mental illness of some kind in their home. Mm. And when you do that and you put the numbers to it in the world, then you know how much work you do. Then I came back and they found out I had done that. So I, there's a foundation called K's, C-A-Y-S, uh, headed up by Stedman Graham. And uh, they were having a big function in San Diego. And they said, do you want to come speak to four high schools in the classrooms with the children? And so I went and then it kind of took off more. And basically I get in the classroom when they do want me to speak in the classrooms or with children, 
um, I just start telling my story and say, you know, you, you're not alone and you need to start mm -hmm. saying something out loud. And then usually what was very nice there with the case is the teacher was in the room and she's hearing the conversations of her students, you know, and she's hearing what they're saying. And then all of a sudden their little hand goes up, you know, and yeah. you have to be very careful. I have to be very, very careful. And I am, I tell them of resources they can go to because I am not a doctor, <laughs> nor do I pretend to be one. I tell them I'm one of them. And I said, now this is who you need to talk to. So I basically, when I talk to children, it's uh, getting them the help and giving them, giving them little numbers and people they can reach. Uh, that that's very impactful. And um, what a blessing to be able to work side by side with Stedman Graham too. I, I have been fortunate enough to see him speak and he's one of the most uh, profound speakers I have seen. I really appreciate his work and his messages. Yes. And so when we talk about the children and, you know, when you see that there is a change, that there has been an impact, yes. what is that like for you? Or better yet, what is one of the most biggest uh, impact stories that you have from now the point where you have started this journey of building the awareness? Well, there's been a lot and uh, I won't do names or anything or let you know where they're at naturally to pr protect them. But one of the biggest ones um, was, I'll give a light one where grandparents wanted, the mother wanted the child back. And she had a form of schizophrenia. And they said, can I, I'm, I'm going to read your book and can I talk to you? Hmm. After they read the story, they said, well, I think we'll keep the child. And then can I help the mother? We need to help her get on her feet and get going a little bit better. Um, then the people found out the levels of schizophrenia. Uh, horror, I have one of the most ones that, few that have dropped me to tears. One was a teacher calling and she thanked me and, and told me never to give up. And she started crying. Uh, she said, I don't care how how old you get, don't you quit. Oh. And, and you get these programs done. She knows what I'm doing. A lot of teachers know what I'm doing right now. Um, they're so very supportive. I said, just hang in there with us. We'll get it done as soon as we can. We're working, working every week on it very hard to get this programs done. They'll actually be... And then it'd be a big thing if people just follow me, they'll, they'll figure out where it's all going to happen at. Um, but that was the one that dropped me for the teachers. The other one that dropped me was this lady reached out and she said, I think I'm hurting my daughter and I think I have schizophrenia and oh, wow. I think that I'm doing this and I don't know what to do. So I had her reach out to her family and the family knew that she had issues and long story around after 30 messages and countless texts, um, thanking me for being there for her. And she made the family read the book, uh, because she told them she had that. Wow. And so in the long story, the child's in, doing thriving because now grandpa and grandma are involved. The yeah. relatives are involved. They're, they're, they're respecting the mother 
because she said, I know that because they come in and out of schizophrenia, you know, some levels of it. They don't just stay. Um, yeah. I joke about it because it was my mother. Some people say you can't use the word crazy. Yes, I can, because my mother was. And and I that's how a child looks at it. A child will say my my parents crazy They're just, because they don't make no sense to them. Yeah. And uh, so they don't stay there, though. They come they come back to you. And so when she was come back, she would reach out to me. There's hor horrifying stories where a child reached out. Um, she wanted my help because she said that her mother didn't believe in uh, feminine products. And so when she would have her cycle, she'd be walking to school and she would just grab weeds or anything she could to put in there to absorb it. And then when she got to school to get to tissues and stuff there at school. So there's a lot of... Um, there's yeah. a lot of things going on out there. And if people think that it's uh, getting better, they better join with the programs that are doing and just talking about it out loud. The one thing I will tell you, April, somebody says, what can you do to help? What, what can I do? Why wait for you to get your, why everybody's working on this? What can we do now? Yeah. If you're a relative, you know that's going on. The best thing that happened to me is when my aunt and uncle would come get me once in a while and just take me for ice cream or a hamburger and french fries. A child doesn't want a different mother or a different father or a different guardian. They're not asking you to remove them from their home. They just want you to make it, give them a little bit of a break. Maybe show some love to your neighbor if you know that's going on. Give that child a break and take them to a movie. They're just wanting a little bit of break and a little bit of normalcy. And just show, just show love and compassion because everybody knows where that mental illness and that person's living with mental illness. And it's sad for them. My heart bleeds for everyone that has that because that is not what they chose to have. And they did not choose, choose to have it. But um, love and compassion and people know, relatives know when it's in the home. And if you can't do something about it, find someone that can maybe give that child a little bit of a break. Mm, that's a very powerful statement, um, recommendation to just give the child a break because sometimes it doesn't, it's not always the best to just completely remove or what have you. And you're right. Those children do love their parents. That doesn't ever go away. And that, that is a part of them and it's a very delicate situation. And so that's very, very impressive. I love that you offer that piece of advice to just give them a little piece of normalcy on top of as we continue to go through and and make the changes and the awareness um you know with the societal standards and and how we navigate this evolvement as a species these are the things that can help so that being said also care how do you feel because to me your story is what has truly made the biggest impact what would you say to those, you know, about sharing their stories? Is that something that you advocate for? I do. I do. And believe it or not, I have the Karen Comba haters out there. You know, you shouldn't have done that. Sure. Um, they need to get their mind bigger and open up. And it's not, that's not against them. They, everyone has a right to believe however they believe. And I'm totally into that. And I'm very, I, my integrity and my trust and my, 
and I'm good with myself and I'm good with others, but they need to really realize what we're trying to do here. I had to expose my life to the point. I didn't really want the world to know about everything, but I know if I didn't do it, nobody would listen. And, mm -hmm. and I want everybody with stories out there. You just come forward with them and don't be afraid because they're, people are good. April people are so good out there. Yeah. You know, nobody, you know, everybody says, Oh, the world's in a terrible place and everything's so sad and everybody no, it's not. There's because beauty. Yeah. That people are good. I, I know that it seems that way some days, but really take a look at everything. People are good. And just with a lot of compassion and learn about it and Google it and reach out and do something about it. The main thing is say something. So you ask if, should they say something? Absolutely. Should, I'm not saying everybody can write a book. It's very hard. It's very difficult to write a book. I appreciate all authors out there in the world. Um, it's very difficult to write a book um, when it's on a subject that is yourself. Yeah. Uh, when you That's talk why it took you 12 years. Because <laughs> sometimes I thought this is the stupidest idea I've ever had. And well, you have to relive it, like you said. It's oh. it's very very difficult. It's like nobody wants to go there. It's so much easier to to bury it and to keep moving forward. But I think that there is such a beauty in and power in really doing the work to, to dive deep into that. And so what was that like for you? Do you feel that the process of writing in and of itself was healing for you? Well, by the time I got done, I realized that halfway through in order to finish it, I was already healed up and about halfway through April to be truthful is when I said, this is it for the rest of my life. I'm not quitting. And I want the kids out there and parents and teachers to know out there, the group and people that are with me now, there's no end in sight. We're not quitting until we're just not going to quit until the Lord says we can't do it anymore. Um, because kids matter. I mean, people matter to us, but children really matter to me. And every time I lay down, I know that I, I always said if I could help one child, I'd be happy and that'd be the end of it. Well, now I know I've helped a lot of them. So now it's not enough for me. So it's like, okay, so I got, I tell the team and I tell anybody that's working in mental health, I'm so proud of you and the awareness and everything, but keep doing it, keep pushing because we're, um, we need to go faster. We need to go faster for these children. Hmm. There, I think it definitely, you know, writing the book has given you that propelled action and, and wanting to, you know, like you said, this is it. I'm, I'm full speed ahead yeah. and, and this is my purpose and I'm not going to stop until I'm done. And uh, there's such a beautiful, powerful aspect of you in that, Karen. Oh, well, I love you for that. And I always get teary-eyed because I, I, I love being here and sharing with you and you're having such a beautiful conversation with you. I always get teared up because I think about, I think about all the kids out there and I know they're just inside, you know, I just remember being that child wishing someone would intervene or come, come tell me what, what, what's happening here. And so, you know, my prayers are deep. And, and I, and my arms are open and I will, I just tell the kids, 
while you're waiting for me, just don't just start saying it out loud. Nobody knows what's going on in here unless you say it out loud. And so that's my biggest thing. I said, say it out loud. Someone will hear you because I can only get to you as fast as I can. And I'm one person, but my group's big. And um, but if, if the child says it out loud to you, I always tell everybody, listen, because they're holding in a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll go into another commercial. And when we get back, Karen, I, I would love to know a little bit more about what are the connections that you're making? What are some of the things that you're seeing that really gives you this bright hope for the future that is really going to impact more lives? I will. Stay tuned. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. Right. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to KimJacobsConsulting.com. That's KimJacobsConsulting.com. Did I say KimJacobsConsulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. I love that. Uh, Les Brown, you have greatness within you. Yes. Don't forget that. And so, Karen, I, you know, when I picture people who are really wanting to make big movements, right? They they have this idea, they have a passion, a drive within them, and they they want to make a big impact. Now, so much of it, the beginnings of that is okay. Well, how, who, what, when? So. What are some of the connections that you have been making where you start to see what other people are doing out there? What are some of the things that are already happening? And what are some of the things that you project in the future? Well, thank you, April. The biggest thing is Jason Hopkins. He's the president of um, NAMI for Arapahoe County here in uh, state of Colorado. Uh, I can, I'm so honored to call him my friend. Watching and listening to Jason of everything the National Alliance for Mental Illness is doing out there and the connections, when you, when you Google that and you see everything they're doing and for the children, for the adults, for anyone that is struggling and it's just in the programs that they're starting to develop is incredible. Uh, when I was in San Diego, I was fortunate to meet a professor of a college. She teaches teachers. And so she's part of the team now. Uh, so Susan and I connected. It was because I said it out loud. And then all of a sudden, a professor, a doctor reached out to me because I said it out loud. I do belong yeah. to top talent agency with David Fagan, but uh, he offers this incredible three-day event free all the time. And so I was, I was always on there and now I'm a judge and and now I'm start getting ready to start my own TV show, uh, live yeah. of the Karen Kamba show. We'll start be starting that soon. Um, through everybody I meet, I found 
you, I believe you, nothing's by accident. And when I started saying this out loud, like I've listened to Les Brown and I've listened to uh, everyone that I, everyone keeps spreading my name. And then I find they'll call me up and go, can you be on this? Can you get, I just keep meeting these people that are making changes. What they're doing is they're talking like you wellness driven. Uh, the show I was on yesterday, we're talking about fitness and health for women over 40. Well, what tied into that, you can't be wellness if you don't have your mind right. Yeah. If someone's not good in the mind, they need help. I mean, everything, your body and everything functions with your brain. And so, and everybody's brain is different. So it's led me to doctors. It led me to, um, I didn't just start this. I've been studying this for 20 some years, talking to psychologists along the way. My mother was in, in uh, put in institutions back then when it was the thing to do, she'd be there six or nine months. So I visit regional centers, you know, now they don't keep people, you know, if you they get admitted, they can check themselves out the next day. So I visited with a lot of homeless people. I think that's been my best. That has been, I will say my motivation has been the children. I went to a Starbucks where I knew I'll keep the Starbucks where it's at, out of, so the kids can stay. <laughs> There's a Starbucks here in the state of Colorado where all the high school kids go to get coffee or go for their break. I went there and visited with kids and they didn't know what I did and they didn't know what I was trying to do. And I said, what would you want in school? What, what, can, what, what can we do or what can we have around you? Well, we all want mental health. We need mental health. We're, we're, we, we're asking for it. They're, they're resilient and they're asking for it. That mm. was my big motivation. When I went and visited with homeless people, it uh, hurt me that a lot of them came from a home like myself and they never yeah. thrive. So the connections are long. My, the, your show, I would have to, I would have someone have to reach out to me and say, what is your connections? I have so many beautiful connections in this world now with doctors and psychiatrists and NAMI. I am a member of that. And I do believe that you can you can go on there you can offer your help if you just don't want to get into you can google you can youtube like wellness driven life show you can go on to youtube and facebook uh go for wellness fitness mental health groups um and all you do is say it out loud and there you have it you there's just more and more people i do believe in my heart saying we've got to fix this we yeah. have we and we can fix this it, 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 it's not, we won't be able to solve the schizophrenia illness. That's not curable yet, but they are making ways that, but we can help the children around them and the parents around them. And just think of my poor father. I mean, he had to work because mental health wasn't covered by insurance. So mm -hmm. he became a workaholic and he was our rock, but he had to work all the time because he had to pay the bills work that are extremely high. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's very interesting the the effect that it has with so many people around, you know. It's easy to become the workaholic for a number of different reasons. To pay the bills, that's a form of escape. Yes. Um many many people go into that route where they just work 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 because it is that form of escape and when you the reason i wanted to shed light on the connections piece is because when we start talking about these things that matter to us based on our experiences you know maybe that's 
the calling, right? We were put into the experiences in order to have them to stand up for something or shed light on something and be that coachable, teachable moment for others, because now we have this wisdom from it. And when we do that, it's just amazing. The And it sounds to me like this has definitely happened for you, but there's these synchronicities that start to come about. And the opening of possibilities, the opening of doorways that start to form. And the beautiful aspect of when we get to see others, you know, thrive based on our movements and our choices. Yes. And you know, what's beautiful is when I get down with college speakings, because um, I tell them I'm, I'm hurrying, we're, we're trying as hard as we can to get this programs done. They email me and they go, guess what? We're, we know what you said. Don't wait. Get busy. So the kids are meeting with iced tea or pop outside. They started, a lot of colleges are starting their, their own little groups and they're starting to go, you want to talk about it? Say it out loud. Uh, let's talk about what's happening, you know? And so they're forming their own little groups in Africa. This young man emailed me and he goes, they have to walk to school. So they don't have buses. So he says, we have to walk 10, 12 miles to school every day. So he goes, I started talking to all the kids that I walk with. Hey, yeah. is everything going on and good in your home? And they're starting to say it out loud. And in turn, it's creating their own uh, safe place, their own, yeah. you know, getting it out Support there. network. Yeah. And they're starting their own healing and their own uh, protectiveness. And so that's, I'll tell you it's just really taking off. And I, I hope I live a very, very long time to see all the rewards of this, because I do believe change is coming. And that's what I wanted the audience to know it is coming and people are really jumping in. You know, there's therapeutic places that can go for children with mental struggling with any kind of bulliness or anything that, you know, where you can yeah. go to a ranch where there's horses, they can start, uh, feeling the love from an animal as in my, my, my salvation was my animals. Yeah. I, I love that you bring that up. Um, one of my daughters, she, she did that with horse therapy and she loved it. So there's so much power with the animals. I think they're, they're here to be our, our little guides and our comfort, you know, when things are so tough. So yes. such a blessing when we start looking at that. I, I'm a big advocate for nature and being outside mm -hmm. and really, you know, getting a bigger picture of, you know, it's kind of like when you, when you drive up this really tall mountain and you look up and you, you have like this viewpoint of the city down below, if you do it at night or something yes. and you realize how small <laughs> things are yes. and you know, it's kind of like a, a shot from space, you know, and and then it's it's just being able to see something in a different light, a different perspective and how profound that can be for people. So I, I would love to know, Karen, what are some of the things that you do each day to kind of help you? I, I know that you're very propelled and motivated to create these changes, but what do you do for you personally to maintain your overall wellness? Well, you know, the beauty part when I was going through all this, I've always worked out. 
And I think that's very critical. Yeah, movement. People need to physically move. Uh, and especially if you've got stress or anything going on, I really push that. So I won't, I won't say the name because then you're pushing advertising, but I do get on my bike every day. Um, <laughs> and I take a walk with our little dog that we found, we rescued from the light rail. Um, so we take her and so eating correctly, you know, I'm trying to put, I do that. I do pray to my Lord. You know, I tell everybody has their, their worship. Um, I do have my moment with my God every morning and thankful. Um, I'm very advocate about brain aneurysms. I was supposed to pass away two years ago with a, well, a year and a half ago of a brain aneurysm they found. Um, I actually felt it, which is, I think she doesn't even know it yet, but I thank Sharon Stone every day in my, in my prayers uh, because you're not supposed to feel brain aneurysm. And I did. Yeah. Let's so, tell uh, Sharon Stone what uh, come yes, on the Wellness Driven yes. Life show. She's she's the one I would love because she saved my life and she doesn't even know. Yeah. It. So yeah. I just don't take any day for granted. No matter what, did I hang up on that? No, because my kids need me. So you just know yeah. you feel here. I think it's like this. I I always say I'm a kind of a humorous person too, but I always say if you wake up and then my eyes will open up, then you've got another shot at that day. And I, I always say every second will not be relived. And this isn't a dress rehearsal. You got, you only got one shot, make it your best shot. And I don't care if it's just going and if you're, whatever you do in your life, uh, enjoy it, put a smile on, try to make somebody else smile and, and uh, help, help out each other and love each other. I always end up with my belief that the world's a better place because everybody's in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. And thank you for sharing those tips yeah. and tricks. My husband likes to say motion creates emotion. Yes. So the the daily movement is is really I feel essential and key part of maintaining overall wellness. And I didn't know that about the brain aneurysm. So thank you so much for sharing yes. that piece of you. Uh so Karen, I want to make sure that the audience knows where to find you. And yes. so I have your website shown here. It is also going to be in the description below. Please check that out. You know where to find her. You can see her social media links. It is www.karencomba.com. That is K-A-R-E-N-C-O-M-B-A.com. So Karen what are you most excited about next? What's the big next? I know that you have this show coming, you have this big platform and project. Yeah. Is there is there something that you're just the most thrilled about? I think they're both equal because I can bring, I'm going to bring help all the way around. So that's other than living my life and loving my family and spending as much time with them as I can. I just can't, wait till I get this in the hands of children and parents mm -hmm. and, and educators, that's going to be, that's going to be it for me. Uh, the show is going to be so much fun and we're going to bring so much education and fun to everybody and uh, make it lighthearted and truth. And I'm very adamant about truth um, and no politics. So there won't be any on my show, but um, I yeah. will say this. <laughs> if we can master these programs, like we're, working on that's the reason i know i'm still here mm. yeah oh that is exciting 
Yeah. So that's, that's the best. Your your show that's coming. How do you envision that? So you you just touched a little bit on it, yeah. but are you going to be interviewing people and what what types of things do you really want to provide to your audience? Well, you know, getting to know more people that you know you don't just because you didn't end up on a New York Times bestseller list as an author doesn't mean you don't have the best book. Mm. So I'm I'm on a mission also to find authors that didn't get acknowledged that should have, and they have a story to tell. And then I'd like to bring people in that are doing things in this world, like even on farms, to give you a little example, they have uh, grants where these uh, guys from Africa are coming in and working at these feedlots in Nebraska as learning for their, how to take care of the animals to take it back with them, or they're doing, there's just some beautiful things happening in this world. And things, people are doing hard things and doing neat things. And they're going, this is how I'm giving back. And this is how I'm giving back. And so I just tell everybody, you know, watch for it. There'll be a way that you can get on the show. We're going to make it lighthearted. I want, I do want some humor in there. I do. I, <laughs> I want to bring people some humor in there, the fun things in life. Cause there's gotta be people out there doing stuff that's just hilarious and um, make everybody have a better day without all the, and it will be stress-free because I don't, I will be interviewing a lot of people, a lot of people that are motivational, uh, doing things spiritual, you know, doing spiritual, or they might be motivating, or they might just be doing something that nobody knows they're doing at a zoo. If I find them, they'll probably be on it. Oh, Oh, that's great. I'm very, very excited. I can't wait to see this blossom and bloom into what it's going to be. It's going to be incredible. Thank you for creating something else, you know, like we do here on the Wellness Driven Life Show. But I feel so much, Karen, like we share our stories. But the more of us that are able to present things like this, to our world, the stories and the passions and the innovations, the better it just becomes. We're living in such an incredible time yes. where we have the opportunities, where we have information that is pushed out like that. I mean, we're going live right now. It's yes. just an incredible time period. And we can just have such an expansive reach for supporting one another. Yes. So Karen, I want to ask you, is there anything else that you want to share today on the Wellness Driven Life Show? Well, like you'll come to know me now. I want to thank you, April. What an incredible woman you are and what an incredible show you have, the Wellness Driven Life Show. To have me on it has just been a complete honor. And now I can honestly say I have a new friend and I want to <laughs> stay in touch with you. And I hope someday you're on my show and if not, stay in, stay in touch with me and I'll stay in touch with you. I just love meeting incredible women like yourself. And um, it's just been, it's just a complete honor. So this is, this is applause to you. Oh, thank you. I, you were making me blush before the show started, Karen. So you, you just have so many wonderful things to say and, and you are a beautiful light in this world. Thank you so much for you know, being brave enough to, to show up and yeah. to be that. So thank you. thank you again for being on the wellness driven life show. And again, I want to let the audience know you can find Karen's information 
in the description below. So thank you so much for tuning in. Goodbye for now. And until next time.